You're listening to the Rick Soto Podcast. For more information about Pastor Rick Soto and the Ranch Church, go to ranchchurch.com. Listen, I'm really excited and honored to be here. Um, for many of you, there's, there might be a, there's a handful of you that will remember me actually from Calvary Chapel. And so I just thought it'd, it'd be, amen. <laughs> I just thought it'd be fun to maybe just even give the genesis of uh, how God brought me here. Uh, your pastor, Rick Soto, uh, was part of a ministry called Campus Crusade for Christ at UCSB. And uh, he was doing a great work. God was using him incredibly at UCSB. And my girlfriend at the time was going to UCSB. And we had dated five years and then had finally gotten married after her freshman year of college. And we got married. And then that moved me out of the ghetto of Lancaster, California into Santa Barbara. (laughs) And I'm just newly saved. And I'm a part of this ministry called Campus Crusade for Christ. And Rick Soto started discipling me and uh, teaching me about the Word of God. And long story short, next thing you know, I'm leading a Bible study for freshmen. And in my opinion, I'm barely saved. I'm like, they're asking me questions like, well, let's, let's try to figure it out. And I'm leading this Bible study at uh, Francisco Torres um, across the street from where we lived. And I get a call from the church that we were attending, which was Calvary Chapel. And uh, Rick, Rick Soto, I guess, had told Pastor Ricky Ryan, hey, there's this guy, he's teaching a Bible study, maybe he can be on staff and help out with the youth. So Rick, Rick, Rick Soto tells Ricky this. Ricky sits me down and he says, hey, we're wondering if you would consider being our youth pastor. Now, mind you, in my opinion, I'm barely saved. And I'm looking at, I'm looking at Ricky, I'm like, Ricky, I've never been to a youth group. Like, I didn't grow up in the church. I'm trying to explain to him, like, this doesn't make sense to me. And, and if you know Ricky, he just smiled and just like this, he's all, yeah, all the better. <laughs> all the better. We want, and so long story short, 10 years I'd be, I was uh, serving there at Calvary Chapel. And then uh, God um, had called me to... Um, Started church with uh, Britt Merrick, it's called Reality, and I was a uh, pastor there for 10 years. And then now, as um, God has just given me a passion for family, I uh, started my own ministry, and it's called Restoring Us, and it's basically taking the gifts and talents that God has given me as a shepherd and a pastor into the community. And so i um, contracted by the school district of Santa Barbara to help out uh, troubled teens. And I live in Carpinteria, and um, I help uh, girls saved out of human trafficking there. There's, six, there's a safe house that houses six girls. I still do premarital, still do marriage counseling. And it's really incredible what God has done in the 25 years uh, after getting saved, submitting my life to Him. It's been unbelievable. And that's where I am today. Uh, That girl that I married at UCSB, we're 29 years married. And I have four kids. Yes. Anything above a decade nowadays is amazing. (laughs) 
Uh, I have four kids, uh, three girls, one son. Uh, my girls are off to college, and now I've uh, just got one son at home, and it's unbelievable. I, it's crazy how time flies. For those of you who was, have young children, you hear this all the time. Hey, take these moments. They're so precious because time flies. It does. I'm literally still emotional. My baby girl, who is now at Cal Poly, like when my other two left, it was like I was prepared for it. But then it left me with two, and I was excited with these two. And then when my baby girl left, I was like, wait a minute. Where's all my people going? And I'm looking at my son. He's only got two more years with him. And it's, uh, it's just crazy how time flies. And uh, I'm really excited to actually get into the Word. So I'll stop talking about my stories. Because you're probably like, okay, guy. This is enough of your personal family life. If you have your Bibles, tur- turn to Lamentations. Most commentators believe this is a book written by Jeremiah at a time of suffering and destruction of Jerusalem. And so there's great mourning and lamentation. In the middle of this book is a very recognizable scripture. And the reason why it stands out, because in the midst of lamentation, there's a resolve. In our current society, in our current world, much like Jeremiah lamenting, there's a, there's a handful, especially believers who have been around for a while and have seen what God is doing and currently seeing where our country is, there is great suffering and destruction in our current culture. Safe to say, amen? Not just with the pandemic, but just where our culture is, where people are. Things that we thought would never become a thing are a thing now. So it's very safe to say we're in pretty close situation of where Jeremiah was. And we could do two things. We can lament, mourn, and complain about where our current culture is. Or we could find resolve like Jeremiah did. Though he lamented of where, uh, of what was happening to Jerusalem, and we, most of us who actually care about the country, are lamenting of where our current uh, society is, we have to find resolve. And that's why I love this text. And it's found in chapter 3, verse 22. And it says this. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Amen. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in Him. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the soul who seeks Him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Father God, we just bow our heads now at your words, your scriptures that you have preserved over thousands of years that we might lean into them, 
that you might make them come alive, that you would touch the inner soul of who we are, body, mind, and soul, and move us to a place where you see fit. Lord, you know where our current culture is. You know where our country is. You know where the world is. And so we're asking that you would speak to us, a people gathered in a vineyard, seeking a Savior and the wisdom of God. So use me, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Like I said, I'm really honored here. I, I pulled up and I thought, wait a minute. Are you kidding me? These people are doing church here? You guys are extremely blessed. Can I get an amen? amen. Extremely blessed. I'm blessed to be here as... Um, whoa. I might need some of these rocks right here. Well, I'm extremely blessed to be here, even though um, my notes, as you can see, I'm not the guy with the iPad. I'm straight handwritten letters. <laughs> this book, like I said, is a book of lamentation. But these scriptures specifically, I believe, though it was written thousands of years ago for certain people, it obviously applies to us as God's people. Thank you, brother. Phil, you're so good. And just in case things get crazy, right? Like a mountain lion or something? When Jeremiah writes, verse 22, through the Lord's mercies... We are not consumed because his compassions fail not. I've always read this text, knowing the context, I've always applied it to my life, is there's a reason why I'm still here. Like I said, I didn't grow up in the church. And there was a lot of moments where in and out of jail, arrested many times, just extreme crazy uh, life as a youth. Many times I should have perished. And I read this text, and I think, wow, through God's mercy, I am not consumed. I'm still here. Why? Just about six months ago, right around Christmas time, I'd gotten COVID, and I kid you not, I had three toes in the grave. I felt like I was going to die. And at that point, I was like, God, I'm ready. I'm ready to see you. I'm ready to go. He said, no, son. There's still work to be done. There's a reason why we are all here breathing air. We all should have been consumed. But great is his faithfulness and his compassions fail not. So he has given us another day. You're breathing air because you have purpose. God has saved us. Not just to gather us, but there is a purpose and a reason. You have to know that. Can I get an amen? amen. It's so good to be reminded of that because in, in the busyness of, of our day, it, it could be lost. Our sentness, our reason for existence sometimes get clouded by busyness. But I'm here to tell you as well as myself that there is a reason 
why we're still here. There's a reason why God has preserved this scripture. It's to speak to us of our purpose. There's a great purpose, especially when you look at our current culture and current climate of our society. There's even a greater degree that we need to see that purpose as a reason why we're still here, why we're still breathing, why are you still working, why are you still having kids, what is the purpose of life? I love that there is um, Jesus in his time here on earth was challenged by the Pharisees many times. And one of them was, well, what is the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And second is to what? To love others. When we got saved, friends, we were pulled into the family business. And the family business is saving souls. Our world is perishing and, and, and at a degree that is alarming. The, the theologies and the ideologies that are, are accepted today is out of control. What must we do? Well, we can lament and then find resolve and say, wait a minute. There's a reason why I'm still here. There's a reason why I'm still breathing. We are here to fulfill God's purpose and plan. I love it best. In the book of Matthew, Jesus, when he's teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, he says this in verse 13 of chapter 5, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how should it be seasoned? It is good for nothing but to be thrown and trampled under foot by man. But you, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Friends, that is our purpose, is to be the salt and the light of this earth. For those of you who do venture out of the valley into Santa Barbara, you go to the harbor, and there is at the harbor a restaurant called Longboards. If you've been there, one of the reasons why I love going there is they have a big barrel of peanuts, <laughs> and they're free. You grab the peanuts and you just take them to your table and you throw them down and you just eat them all, as many as you want. Why? What's the purpose of the peanuts? To make you thirsty so that you purchase their $10 water. Right? It's amazing when you take that principle of God and you use it for, for your own purpose and own gain. Listen, friends, when Jesus said, you are the salt, we are people called with a purpose to make those around us thirsty for what we have. And I love how he breaks it down here because not only does he say, you are the salt, but if, you're, if the salt isn't used, it's good for nothing. That is the last thing I want to be as God's child. As one who has been pulled into the family business, I don't want to be pinpointed as the one who's good for nothing. 
But I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I want to live a life that is making those around me thirsty for what I have. Friends, even though this society seeks to reject God in so many ways, I'm telling you, they're thirsty. They're extremely thirsty. And the best way that we can be used is by submitting ourselves daily to God and seeking how He seeks to use us. By being salty doesn't mean a salty dog off of, fresh off of a boat. No, saltiness is a preservative back in those days. God is preserving us and He's seeking to use us to make those around us thirsty for what we have, but not just salt. I love how he says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. There is so much darkness in this world, and there is a great need for the lamp, the lamp of God, the light of God. You know, working with troubled teens and working with girls saved out of human trafficking, you hear you, you got to know this, friends, especially because I'm, I'm I don't want to offend anyone, but this is a little older crowd here. Seasoned. Seasoned saints. We'll use that one. There's a lot of seasoned, salty, wonderful, beautiful-looking people. Something you need to know. Kids in high school right now, like, you, think back to when you were in high school. Things were crazy. In junior high, things were nuts. What our current kids are going through, it, it cannot be compared. What I went through, even though what I went through was really hard and really crazy, what they have access to at the touch of, of their phone, like back in the day, to get a Playboy, you had to maneuver. To get some beer, you had to maneuver. These people are just texting, and it comes to them. It's crazy. There is a great need for a light to be turned on. I love the analogy in, in regards to the light of the world, of the relationship of the moon and the sun. You look at the moon, it, it, it does not have energy or light of its own. It's merely reflecting Reflecting what? The light of the sun. And when you have a full moon, you see the glory. You're like, wow. But what makes a crescent moon? What shades off that light? It's the world. When the world gets in the way, it covers the light. We are a people who need to be full moon in reflecting the full light of God. How does this work? See, this is a great analogy because obviously the less of the world in us, the more light reflected. What does that require? It requires great examination of the man and the woman in the mirror. See, we could take a message like this and say, yeah, we have purpose and go, but what does it look like? Tangibly, 
What does it look like to be the salt and the light of the earth? What does it look like to be true representatives of Christ? What does it look like to be a child of God? Well, friends, if you're not looking in the mirror often, most likely you're allowing some of the world in. Because when you look in the mirror, you find the areas that need to be repented, the areas that need to be dealt with. And I've found that as Christians, as we get older, you, you figure out how to maneuver through life. Maintain a good Christian veneer, but live a secret life. And I'm here to tell you that in our current culture, that's the last thing it needs. Because this current culture, and, and, and just in general, we all seem to really love something that is genuine. That person's real, genuine. Here in this place, you, you, you don't want to show up with cowboy boots that are made out of man-made material, right? Like, whoa, bro, what are you doing with those boots? They're not leather? Get out of here, right? You would never show up to a ranch. You would never show up to something like that with man-made material boots. There's a reason why you can go to Big Five and buy a football that's made out of man-made material for 20 bucks, or you can go on Amazon and buy a $120 football that's genuine leather. Why? Because the genuine leather is worth more. It's sustainable. Friends, what our current culture needs is genuine, real Christians. Willing to be real, look in the mirror, and know when there's too much man-made material. And repent. That's what I love about this, this text. It says, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Listen to me. <laughs> Maybe there's a sign. <laughs> These mercies are new every morning, not new every Sunday. See where I'm going with that? The reason why the mercies of God are new every morning is because they're needed. God knew when he made us that we would have a tendency to wander. And so in order to stay genuine, in order to stay real, we have to be real with God. And so every morning, I love that the text indicates that there is, verse 24, a portion, says the Lord. There's a portion for us. His mercies are new for us every morning. So why wouldn't we, as his people, respond tomorrow morning, waking up, saying, God, here I am. Forgive me for last night. Forgive me for yesterday. Be real with him. Make the adjustments. Don't get caught up in the hustle and bustle of life. But I love what it says further on in the text. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul 
who seeks him. See, not only are we called to a purpose, but God gives us the power for the purpose. There's power when you wait on the Lord. There's power when you wake up tomorrow morning and you say, like that, that little Easter egg, if he left that Easter egg here with 20 bucks, it makes no good to me if I don't ever take it. God is wanting to give us mercies, new every morning. But woe to those who don't wake up and receive them. To take the time and wait on the Lord. To receive the due portion. I, I sometimes am baffled when I look in the mirror and think, wow, God, knowing all that I've done, knowing all that I've currently doing, knowing all the stupidity of my future, you still picked me. Friends, we're still breathing air. There's a purpose that God has for us. Whether you have a bad, crazy past or you have a bad, crazy future, God chose you knowing all of your shortcomings. It blows my mind. God knew even though I would be stupid, he still called me. But I can't remain stupid. I got to look in the mirror and allow him to fill me up to fulfill the calling of my life. We're all breathing air for a purpose. And that purpose is given power by him. He wouldn't call you to do anything that you can't do. Matter of fact, that's why uh, Jesus said in, in, in John chapter 15 that apart from him, you can do what? Nothing. So why wouldn't we take mornings to wait on God and receive the due portion? It's almost like the, the, the writing is these compassions and mercies are new every morning and the Lord is my portion. Every morning, God knows the ins and outs of your day already. And it's like he's got the portion, like, okay, I know what you're going to go through. And I got it all here for you. But sometimes we're quick to brush the teeth and out the door. Well, we just got to pump the brakes a little bit. Wait on him. Receive the mercy. Receive the compassion. Receive the rebuke when you look in the mirror. I love that chapter in James where it says, no one looks in the mirror and walks away and forgets what he looks like. No. You look in the mirror and you, there's nobody here that knows your sin like you other than God. But I have found that Christians too often move forward ahead of God believing that this is a great calling or maybe, maybe it's the opposite. Maybe you feel like you're not worthy. Friends, I have found that the gospel of Jesus Christ doesn't let a man's head get too fat or hang too low. Let me explain that. I'm going to say it one more time. The gospel of Jesus Christ doesn't let a man's head get too fat or hang too low. You can't be too full of yourself because the Bible says, man, you were created out of dust. 
Your heart is wicked. Your tendency is to wonder. But it doesn't let your head hang too low. No, no, no. You're more than a conqueror. You're created in Christ Jesus as his child. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. You can't let your head hang too low. You can't be the Eeyore Christian or you can't be the super uber Christian who's just like, I'm amazing. No, apart from him, you can do nothing. There's a balance. You see that balance? If you find yourself depressed, sad, and woe unto me, then today's message is, hey, you're a child of God given purpose. And that purpose has power. Wait on him and watch the power. Not many would admit this, but maybe you're uber Christian, fat-headed Christian thinking, I'm amazing. I read my Bible. I go to church on Sundays. Look at me, everyone. I have a new Bible. That's great. Are you applying it? Are you living it? Because James, that wonderful author, says, man, don't just be a hearer of the word. Be a doer. That's the message this morning, friends. Is God has called us with a purpose. You're still breathing air, and God is wanting to do an amazing work in this valley. And he's called you guys to be a part of it. What an honor. Don't feel overwhelmed by it because he's going to give you the power to do it. Easter's coming. Think about it. The best way that you can be the salt and light is by just activating your faith out of the comfort zone. That passage that I read in out of Matthew 5, it's so important that Jesus concludes, let them see your good what? Works. Not hear your good words. Too many Christians are flapping their gums and a lot of people think, wait, that doesn't match your life. Genuine faith. Genuine faith doesn't allow you to continue in your hypocrisy. Genuine faith looks in the mirror and says, wow, I still struggle with patience. Wow, I'm still struggling with anger. Wow, I'm still struggling with this. I'm still struggling with that. If you're not willing to make that genuine, because of the posture of, of the, the psalm or the, the lamentations, the posture is like this. God, I want to wait on you. I'm going to wait for the portion of the Lord for my soul. You have been faithful. We are faithless. Increase our faith so we would receive the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God. And in conclusion, I, I just want to encourage you guys that as the worship team comes back, we, we have an opportunity to make an adjustment. It's called prayer. You can tell I hang out in James a lot. James says, if we confess our sins to one another, we find healing. A lot of people say, well, I don't need to confess my sin to one another. I can just go to God. Yes. But why would James say that? 
Because there's accountability. When you're real and honest with somebody, saying, hey, I'm struggling with this. It puts you in a posture to receive God's mercy and grace. That's where the healing comes. A lot of Christians find, especially the fat-headed ones, well, I can't let these people know that I'm struggling because I'm uber-Christian guy. Guess what? We're all struggling. <laughs> There's not a single person in here who's got it down. Well, if you are here, raise your hand because we all want to meet you. Like, you're an amazing human. You're Jesus. No, that person doesn't exist. But if we're willing to be real with each other, and you don't even have to come up for prayer. God has already postured you with people around you. I'm telling you that you're a child of God and that you have purpose. And part of that purpose is this powerful thing called prayer. You could turn to the person next to you and say, hey, you know what? How can I pray for you? You have an opportunity right now to be real and honest and say, you know what? This I've been hanging on to. This I've been struggling with. My sister's here this morning. I'm excited to go pray with her because there's, a, there's an issue going on in our family that needs a lot of prayer. In God's gathering, prayer should never be neglected. Prayer should never be looked at as, well, that's for Rick Soto and that's for that guy, but I'm not the prayer guy. You don't talk? Prayer is talking to God. Prayer helps us posture our bodies right before God. If we're concluding in this scripture, I just want to conclude in prayer. Read the scripture again and then ignite you guys to just, maybe you need to move and go pray. Maybe you need to go pray with someone over there, but let's, let's take this time and pray, get real, get right with God so that the purpose that he has for us is ignited. Sometimes we cloud out with the world, the reflecting light of Jesus. Not the S-O-N, the S-U-N. That's what this world needs, the light of Jesus Christ. Amen? Lord, we thank you for this morning and we thank you for your word and we just come humbly before you and ask that you would have your way with us. We're so thankful for the mercies of God that we are not consumed, that there's a purpose that you have and Lord, your compassions, they fail not. And this morning we're saying, Lord, great is your faithfulness. Pour out the due portion for this congregation here in the valley, Lord, that you would pour out your spirit upon these people here, igniting them as they wait on you, as they seek you, Lord, that salvation would come to this valley, that many would find themselves seeking the light of the world. And we know it starts here, so Lord, come, have your way with us. Prepare us for prayer. 
Prepare us for repentance. Prepare us, Lord, as you see fit. We love you. We need you. And I pray in your powerful name, the name above all names, Jesus, we thank you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Rick Soto Podcast. For more information about Pastor Rick Soto and the Ranch Church, go to ranchchurch.com.